You're listening to the Jesus and Politics Podcast by CCF at Western Washington University, where each week we'll be asking the question, how does our allegiance to Jesus impact our participation in politics? Welcome back to the Jesus and Politics Podcast. I'm Jeff, one of the campus pastors with the Western AS Club, CCF, and this week, Jonathan and I are going to interview James and Rachel, two of our thoughtful teammates who are also campus pastors with CCF. And we're going to talk about how our worldview, our values, our personal backgrounds, and our faith in Jesus influence how we vote. So let's start with James, and then we'll take a break, and Jonathan will interview Rachel. Okay, James. You and I have been friends for a long time, and we have lots in common. We came on staff at the same time. We both have three kids. We're both Seahawks fans, and we both really love Jesus. Uh, But we're also really different. I grew up in Kenya. You grew up in Kent. I was raised in the church. You didn't come to Jesus until your senior year of high school. Uh, Both my parents are white, but your mom is white and your dad is black. So I'm really excited to talk with you about what will be, for both of us, our fifth presidential election that we're voting in. And you're also totally one of my favorite people to process politics with. We've had lots of conversations like this before, so this is going to be great. Um, Tell me why you think that this is a really important conversation for us to have. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on this podcast today. I consider it a great privilege to have these kinds of conversations with you as well. Uh, The fact that we are having this conversation is significant. Uh, You mentioned a few ways that our backgrounds are different from one another, and also that we have many things in common, but our friendship, from my perspective, has always been marked by some of these differences that we have. We often think different from one another, but over the years, as we've worked together, we've worked hard to hear one another, to listen and to consider perspectives that are different than our own. And I have greatly benefited from many of our conversations surrounding our differences. Um, One concern that I have about the state of our society is that our differences are significantly highlighted at this time and people are mostly shouting online at people who think differently than themselves. Uh, To borrow from Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from Birmingham, there are a lot of monologues going on and not a lot of dialogues. So the fact that uh, we are dialoguing is essential, and I hope everyone listening will seek to have back and forth conversations with those that think differently than them. Um, I also think that this conversation is important because God created humanity. And when he did that, he said that it is not good for us to be alone. We're all created for community. Um, If we each lived in our own towns and we didn't have to interact with any other human beings, we wouldn't need government. But because we live in cities and counties and states and nations, we need organization, we need laws, we need government. Um, And there are many different ways that government can work their way out, but we have the privilege to influence how our country works. So these conversations are important, 
because our votes will influence the country that we live in and the country that our children and our grandchildren live in. Last week on the podcast, we talked about how personal voting can be, even though it has public implications, public ramifications and side effects. And we talked about how our values and beliefs really do and kind of can't not affect how we vote. So, James, what are some of the ways that you see your background, your family, your personal experiences, those kinds of things? What are some of the ways you see those factors shaping the way you vote? I grew up primarily in a household with a single mom. My parents were divorced when I was one, and my mom was my primary provider. Uh, Raising a child on your own without a partner is one of the most challenging things that I can imagine. You know, my mom, she's a hero, man. She worked so hard. She worked long hours to make sure that we had enough um, to survive. But there were times as I grew up in which my mom herself experienced hardship, which then brought about hardship on our family. Um, We experienced, uh, she experienced chronic illness, um, which as a single parent really can affect Uh, not only your health, but your income. Um, And what that meant for us is that there were times in my life where we got our food from the food bank. Uh, It meant that there were times um, in my life where government assistance helped us survive. And so one of the important issues to me in our society as I think about who I vote for and how I vote for is that I really desire that we would be a country that cares for those who are in need. I don't want to just perpetuate, you know, people stuck in in uh, needing assistance, but there are really people out there who have significant needs for a season, and that was my family. We 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 struggled in that way, and 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 so caring for the needy is really uh, an important thing. Uh, an important issue in my mind that is that shapes what I hope our country will be like. Um, as a black man uh, whose family fled the deep south to escape uh, the Jim Crow oppression, I care deeply about addressing inequalities that continue to exist in our country, in our society based on race. I long for our nation to recognize the intrinsic worth and the res- reflective splendor of each and every person living in our nation, and acknowledging the value of each person simply because God made them, recognizing that we all reflect God's glory uniquely. Um, And so I care about these inequalities um, being addressed. Um, For me as a minority, I had the privilege of attending great schools where I received a robust education. Um, But there are so many minorities um, and who live in minority communities that don't have the privilege, um, the same kind of privilege that I had to receive uh, an adequate education. And so I long to see that change, education. um, I long to see that change. Uh, There are many, many other ways in which my background and my family shape, but these are some of the most significant ones to me. Right on. Thanks, James. Hey, shout out to Gail, James's mom. She's an amazing lady. She helped us buy our first house, helped us get a loan. She's incredible. I really appreciate you giving us that, that backstory and the way that that kind of influences your thinking about what's important to you and those kinds of things. So you've talked about your, your personal context. 
Um, let's talk about your spiritual context. What are some ways you see your allegiance to Jesus shaping the way you vote as well? Yeah, I mean, my allegiance to Jesus really shapes my entire life as I, as I seek to be like him. Uh, what, what's so interesting, um, as I wrestled with how my allegiance to Jesus should affect um, the way that I vote, um, it's so interesting that Jesus, while he lived on earth, he lived under a mixture of Jewish and Roman law and government, and neither one of those reflected God's heart perfectly. Jesus's people throughout time have lived under oppressive rule and government throughout history, and the church has still been able to bring hope and light to the world. And so uh, in one sense, uh, my hope is in Jesus and not in a government or a politician. And that significantly affects the way that I vote. Um, and in America, since we have the great privilege um, to influence how our country is run, it's an opportunity for us to live out our faith. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what it has meant for me um, as a Jesus person is um, that I, in my voting, I'm seeking to bring about the most good for the most amount of people, um, which is challenging to always discern which legislation or which leader will do this. Right. And I think it's impossible for us to know with absolute clarity which way we'll do that. But as I, as I walk with humility, um, knowing that I can't do it perfectly, my, that is my aim. That's what I'm seeking to do as a Jesus follower. Um, one scripture that has, has really been significant for me um, when I think about voting and many other things is Micah 6, 8. It says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God? Um, and so uh, I think pursuing uh, humility in voting, pursuing justice and mercy in voting, um, those are things that, that significantly impact um, how I think about it. Now, uh, another complexity for me, you mentioned earlier that my mom is white, that my dad is black. That makes me mixed race. Um, but I grew up in a predominantly white community. But because of the color of my skin, I've been perceived by the world as a black man uh, exclusively. And then I became a Christian. So now I'm a white and black Christian um, who mostly appears brown. <laughs> um, uh, and what's complex about that is if you don't know at this point in our nation's history, um, I would say, uh, the majority of white Christians tend to vote Republican and the majority of black Christians tend to vote Democrat. Um, and I'd recommend this video by, uh, Phil Vischer. I don't know how you say his name, last name, but Vischer, oh, the I think. Oh, guy. Uh, you, yeah, VeggieTale guy. Yeah, you can you can find this video on YouTube, but it's it's called "Why Do White Christians Vote Republican and Black Christians Vote Democrat?" It's really really informative and helpful video, but he suggests um, that the reason for these differences in voting is largely due to the fact that Black Americans and White Americans have in the past and also currently in the in, uh, presently experience our country differently, and so I found myself as a Jesus person torn between these two um, 
these two poles in in um, in terms of how do I live out my faith, um, and so uh, yeah, I think um, I would say, man, praying it's been a big part. Lord, help me help me see, um, and also my I think Jesus just wasn't beholden to one particular government or one particular party, and so for me, um, I I have not been able to align myself with one particular party um, because I don't think either one of the parties fully represents the heart of Jesus. And so I think because of that, um, you know, I think there would be conservatives uh, Jesus would speak against. There would be uh, liberals that Jesus would speak against in terms of how they're, uh, how they're living their life, um, how they're, uh, the way their policies affect humanity. And so um, it's actually, uh, I feel like at times, it made voting much harder because you have to really dig in and think. Um, but those are some ways that that um, my allegiance to Jesus has really, um, yeah, affected the way that I engage in voting. Yeah, I appreciate you like just talking about the, the those complexities that because there isn't just it's a, complex. There isn't an easy answer. There isn't a, like a like a an obvious. Well, of course you got to do this, vote this way because of these complexities. I think I think if people take that seriously, it'll go a long way. That's great. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, you know, the election is just in a few weeks, and there's a lot of ways this election could go. Um, you and I have had lots of conversations. We both have pretty strong mm-hmm. opinions about, you know, the, the, the way that our, our politics happen in some arenas. But mm-hmm. we, you yeah. know, in this, on this, in this format, we're really committed to not uh, sort of over-influencing students to vote for one candidate or another, locally, nationally, any of that. We just... We're really committed to helping students think about how they should vote, uh, not necessarily who to vote for. Um, and mm-hmm. so in the spirit of this kind of even-handed dialogue with, with both leading candidates, again, we recognize there's more parties than just the Republican and the Democrat, but that's who the majority of people are going to vote for. Whether you like that or not, hey, you know, vote and try to change the system. But yep. between um, Donald Trump and Joe Biden... Um, what is, let's start with, 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 with our current president, President Donald Trump. What's one thing you'd be excited about if Trump remains as president and one thing that you'd be concerned about if he remains as president? Yeah, man, these are good things to reflect on with uh, each candidate, right? Each candidate brings things that we can celebrate and also bring things that should cause us concern. And so, um, you know, I guess I would encourage all of us to be thinking about those things. Um, which is not necessarily the way we're encouraged to think right now. But, um, you know, I think uh, President Trump, um, uh, there's lots that could be said, um, but there are good things that have that have come about um, in his time as a president. I think one of those things that um, has, un- I think, not uniquely, but, but has affected the black community um, over the last, 30, 40 years, um, has, has been incarceration, you know, mass incarceration. And, um, and it has come through some really interesting ways, uh, you know, conversation with a Kardashian and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, President Trump has enacted even recently, um, uh, and signed, signed some uh, prison reforms that I think, uh, are, uh, the direction is is great, and I'm excited to see kind of that unfold. Um, and I would be excited to see that move further 
um, if he were to be elected again. Um, I think one thing that I would be concerned about um, if Trump were reelected again, um, I, I would say, uh, I would describe President Trump not as a maintainer, but as a disruptor, um, which uh, I think there's space in the world for both of those kinds of people um, in, in just the way that they um, bring about change. Um, but I, I would describe much of the time in which Trump has been in office as um, that, that he has brought chaos. Um, and I think that the way that he has carried himself has significant, significantly influenced uh, some of the conflict that exists in our nation. I, don't, I wouldn't say that he's responsible for the conflict that exists, but it has influenced um, uh, some of the conflict that exists in our, our nation. And I find myself um, tired from some of from 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 the chaos and um, from some. I mean, really, it's at times the way he's carried himself. So um, that's one thing I would be concerned about continuing. Uh, and on the other side, uh, if if Joe Biden wins the presidential election, what's one thing you would be excited about, and what's one thing that you would be concerned about? Yeah, I think. One thing I would be excited about uh, if Joe Biden were elected, um, at least in in some of the policies, uh, the ideas, the postures that that I've heard from his campaign and and um, that kind of stuff. I, one of the things I shared about earlier is that I really care about um, the needy being cared for, and that's just something that I see in in uh, the platform that he's running on uh, a, a desire to care uh, for the needy. So whether it's uh, health care and, and uh, those kinds of things. And so, um, you know, I think it's a really, that, that will be complicated, but I, I would be excited that those uh, kind of values would be pursued at least. Whether or not they can get done, uh, who knows, but um, I would appreciate those values being pursued. And one thing I would be concerned about uh, what we've seen from President Trump, he's been a polarizing figure for sure. Um, you know, pushing, I think, pushing each side further to the side that they're on. Um, but there have been a number of things that he's kind of like pushed through and gotten done. Um, I think one of the questions, maybe concerns that I have at this point is, uh, will Biden be able to uh, be a good moderator between the two sides? Will he, will he be able to bring the two sides together to be able to get things done, to move various things forward? And um, I, I think it's a concern that I have. I don't, I'm not sure if he is going to be that kind of leader uh, if he were to be elected. So, um, yeah, that's one concern that I have about that. Right on. I, I do think this is a, a useful exercise, <laughs> even just to to flex our brains, you know, as, as depending on which way the election goes. What's a what's an upside we can see? What's a downside we can see? Yeah. Uh, so I think that I appreciate you doing the, the brain work 
for thanks us for <laughs> thanks for making me making me do that exercise. I appreciate it. And uh, I mean, it it really is good. I think we 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 have to be so careful not to just uh, celebrate someone as a as a savior or uh, the other person demonize the other side. I think that's where, what we do. And so we, we really do need to think about like, man, we get positives and negatives from each person. Um, and so I appreciate the exercise myself. Right on. Okay, uh, that's it for me and James. We are gonna go to a break now. And when we come back, Jonathan will be asking similar questions uh, of Rachel, who is another campus pastor on our staff. So we will see you around. Thanks, James. Thank you. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being willing to share your thoughts with us today. I am really excited for this. I respect you so much as just a thoughtful and smart and kind friend. And you have a heart for Jesus and a heart for students at Western. And so I'm just excited to hear your thoughts today. One of the things I most appreciate about you is your knowledge of scripture and how you, you root your thoughts in what God says and not just what you think about things. So I'm confident about the things you're going to share being a blessing to our students today. So thank you so much. And let's just jump in. I have some questions for you. So are you ready? Yeah, I think so. Okay, here we go. So, Rachel, tell me why you think this is an important conversation for us to have. I think this is an important conversation because it's something that I hear almost every single time there is an election. And I hear it from Mm. students and I hear it from friends of mine, this wrestling over how much what you personally believe should affect how you vote. Um, And... It's something that is sort of been used to, in some ways, shut down conversation, I think. Um, kind of a way of saying, you know, we don't, we don't, this is just your personal belief, so we don't need to have any further discussion about it. And uh, yeah. so I think a lot of students really struggle. I've struggled with how do you approach that? How do you share? Well, this is, this is really what I think. Um, and how do you actually decide what to vote? Am I, am I being biased if I vote in a way that reflects who I am as a person and the experiences that I've had? Does that make me biased? So I think students really wrestle with that. So I think yeah. it's a very important yeah, conversation. Okay, Rachel, thank you. That's really good. Um, so last week we talked about how personal voting can be, even though it has public implications. And we talked about, you know, how our values and beliefs, they really do affect how we vote. There's actually no way for them to not affect how we vote. So tell us, what are some ways that you see your own background, your family, your personal experience? How does that shape the way that you vote? Yeah, I have a pretty large family. I have many adopted siblings. It's something not everybody, most people know about me, I suppose. I have... Um, 17 siblings total and 10 of those are adopted I also have a a military family background my dad was in the Navy for 20 years I have three siblings who are currently in active service in the military and another brother who's getting ready to join the military Um, so that is something that has definitely affected how I vote Uh, it's it's interesting um, how much 
taxes have affected our lives. My dad, every year around tax time, I just remember seeing all this paper and all this work that he had to do to try to get, you know, the best tax breaks for our family. And it was a big deal um, because, you know, for us to be able to basically live and do all the things that we were doing and support a family of that size, every, literally every penny counted in that in that scenario. Um, and so, I, and I remember him uh, almost having to fight for tax rebates and it tended to be during certain presidencies. I remember um, there just tended to be a lot more fighting with the IRS over whether or not it was okay for our family to have that much tax rebate <laughs> as an adoptive family. Um, and then, you know, a new president would come along and suddenly dad wasn't having to threaten to go to tax court anymore. And so those, those were things that did actually affect our daily lives and, and affected our family fiscally. Um, and I think too, that being a woman has definitely impacted how I vote in ways I didn't always expect. I, I don't vote for people because they're women but I notice that I look for women. When I'm looking through the ballots, I'm looking to see, oh, I wonder if there's any women running for this office. And it's, it's something that I notice. It's something that catches my attention. Uh, it catches my attention when there are no women. Um, so that is something that I, I think I, it affects me in terms of just the emphasis, that it's, it's something that's noticeable to me. And it does matter. It matters to me that, that there are women in high offices. Um, so it's not something that would guarantee my vote, but it is something that I would consider, that I would take into account when I'm voting. And I think the, the last thing that I think of is just um, my parents and the way they would talk about politics. And even, you know, I think about my very first experience with a president that I remember was Bill Clinton. I wasn't voting, obviously. I was probably, I don't remember how old I was when Clinton was president. But I remember the Clinton presidency and I remember the scandal. I remember everyone talking about it. I remember everyone being upset. And so for me, a presidential, a, a presidency or a president marked by scandal is kind of the norm. That's not unusual to me. That doesn't feel surprising or shocking. And, and my parents, also the way they talked about politics, they definitely voted. They definitely cared about issues and political candidates, but they never talked about political candidates like they were super hopeful that this is going to be the person that's going to fix our country. They had a very, what I would call realist and others might call cynical view <laughs> Of, of politicians, that, that these are people who are, I mean, especially the highest offices, like being president. This is, this is a position that you only get if you have a great deal of ambition, if you, if you want power, if you're willing to do quite a lot of work to get power. And uh, so to me, this idea that you would look to a politician as some kind of moral ideal or moral hero that's just very alien to me. I, I tend to distrust politicians. So that is something that I also know that I carry with me when I'm voting. I'm, and maybe less so in local elections, 
um, but certainly when it comes to presidential candidates. It's so interesting even to hear you talk because in many ways our lives are very similar. We, you know, ethnically, racially, we both grew up in the Northwest. We're both white. Uh, we were even both homeschooled. But in so many other ways, your backstory is so different from mine. My parents did not, you know, care that much about taxes. It didn't affect taxes were not such a personal issue for them as they are for your family. Um, the size of your family is very different than the size of my family. Nobody in my family was adopted. So even just those little details of our lives, it's so interesting to think how they might shape us differently and that that's okay. And it also is just reminding me how healthy it is for us to listen to each other because uh, my, my own story is so limited, but my vote affects a lot of people who are different from me. And so hearing your story is really helpful for me. So appreciate that. Um, what are some ways, Rachel, that you see your allegiance to Jesus shaping the way you vote, aside from your own backstory, but just your allegiance to Jesus? Yeah, um, I think that the first one, and maybe this sounds a little cliche, the, the first way that I think my allegiance to Jesus affects how I vote is that I vote. Um, because I am a bit of a cynic when it comes to politics, my tendency is not to care my, my, my instinctive reaction is, I just don't want to think about it. It's exhausting. There's so much kind of violent rhetoric that, that gets thrown around. Um, and I, I don't want to be a part of that. And conflict like that stresses me out. So I just will sort of disengage. You guys decide what you want to do with the country, and I'll just live with it. And that, that's more what my natural tendency would be. Um, and so I think that because I look to Jesus, I, I can't do that. I can't just disengage from my culture. I can't just disengage from my society and say, I don't care what happens. Um, because I think that what I see modeled in Jesus is actually a deep involvement in the culture into which he was born. And that he did care very deeply about the people around him. And I, we, we, we ask that question a lot of times, like, how would Jesus vote? You know, what meaning, who would he vote for? And I think more about how would Jesus approach voting? How would he see it? And I think he would see it as being involved and being engaged in those around you and having to, to stand by your choices, knowing I'm making choices that can affect those around me. And I need to take those choices seriously. And I, I need to be willing to kind of live with that responsibility. I can't just shuffle it off and beca because it's uncomfortable or because it's difficult or because it's exhausting, even though it can be all those things. So I think that's probably the first way that it affects how I vote. I, I do vote and I, I feel like I also have a responsibility to think through my vote. I can't just, okay, I'll just check a box and call it good. Um, and I think too, something that you said earlier that we need to listen to each other and hear about other experiences. You know, Jesus, what I see in him is that he did not make anybody happy. When Jesus was walking around in, you know, his century, in his culture, no political ideology was able to co-opt him and say, Jesus is for us, you know. 
and he offended pretty much everybody. You know, he offended the Romans, he offended the Pharisees, he offended his own disciples at times who wanted him to be more political, I guess, and become king and, you know, be be an active person in politics in a way that they they really wanted, and he refused to do that. And so I think that it's not so much, oh, you know, Jesus would be for this party or another party. But what I see is that he he always was going outside of himself, and he was always pressing people around him to look outside of themselves. And so how can I do that even when I'm voting? How can I look outside my own context? How can I think about how other people live and what their experiences are like? You know, um, for example, I guess immigration is not an issue that has really directly affected me, um, but it directly affects a lot of people. And so how am I, shouldn't that be something that I consider when I vote, even though it doesn't personally affect my life in a, in a strong kind of way? So, um, yeah, he's, Jesus was always serving others and not seeking his own power. So how can that, how can that influence what I think about and what I care about when I vote? It's natural to me to, to notice women when I'm looking through my ballots. Is it natural to me to notice when there are black women when I'm flipping through my ballot? I don't know if that's true. So that would be, that would be a way I think Jesus would want me to approach it. That's helpful. That's helpful. Well, you know, when it comes to the presidential election, nobody knows what's going to happen in a few weeks. And um, it's important to us, like we've said, that we're not trying to tell our students this is who you should vote for. And so we, we want to help them think about how they vote. And I think you're giving us really good principles, Rachel, in, in how to make those decisions. So it, with that goal of being even-handed um, towards these two candidates, the two primary candidates for president, I would be curious, one thing you would be excited about if Donald Trump is president for another four years, and one thing you'd be concerned about. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, this was a very difficult question to answer, I think, for both candidates. And I... because. Because again, it's it's an emotional question. What am I excited about? What am I concerned about? And my emotions, when I think of politics, as I think for a lot of students, they tend to be mostly fraught. There's not a lot of excitement. Um, so uh, this was difficult. So thank you for this question because it <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. really was was a challenging one to think about. I think uh, in a Trump presidency, I'll start with what's concerning to me because that's easier with both of them. Um, I would be concerned, my primary concern would be the reputation of Jesus, uh, because I, I have noticed over the last few, four years and leading up to his election that it was the tendency of, of some Christians, and especially Christians even in my, in my hometown, to uh, almost try to link, link Trump with Christianity and um, in a in a way that I think was was too much, <laughs> and has actually ten potentially, and I think 
really has done damage to the name of Jesus because when others on the on the outside are looking at that and they see us saying, you know, for example, something like Trump is God's man in the White House, um, that that doesn't reflect well on the person that Jesus is. And so I, I would be worried about that. I would be worried about four more years where Christians, and I think unnecessarily feel this, but feel obligated to try to defend Trump or say that he reflects Jesus's values or Jesus's character. Um, that's something that would be very concerning to me. Hmm. I think something I'd be excited about um, is, <laughs> it's funny we brought up taxes, uh, and that, that genuinely that's something that I know would, uh, would be better for my family in the long run if, uh, if that Republican Party remains in power, is that there would be um, there, th- those, those tax rebates for and support for adoptive families, um, fiscal support for military families tends to be better when um, uh, Republican presidents are in, in, in play. Um, and also something else that's really significant, a significant issue for me is the issue of abortion. And so that is something that I also would be excited about with a conservative president. Thank you. That's helpful. I know it's hard to sometimes say these things. It's very hard. It so I appreciate your courage. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so on the other hand, and you said this was hard, you both mm-hmm. ways. So one thing you'd be excited about if Joe Biden was our next president, and one thing you'd be concerned about. Yeah, I think I would be concerned, and this is it's interesting. I'd be concerned uh, in a Biden presidency, almost with the reverse, that because uh, we've had uh, a sort of Christian support behind a candidate that is really. Um, I mean, disliked is not even the right word <laughs> for how a lot of people feel about Trump. And I worry about even some of the pushback that in the desire to say, I'm not Trump, there would be a, a pushing back really strongly against either um, groups that have supported him, like conservative Christian groups. Um, that's something that's concerning to me. Also, um, Biden really promises quite a lot that tends to be a feature, you know, that when I when I look through the issues that he supports, he promises quite a lot and almost every promise involves a great deal of money. And so that's something that I worry about too in terms of the fiscal responsibility of our country and and national debt and exactly where is that money going to come from? Those are things I worry about. Something I'm really excited about if um, in a Biden presidency is police reform, which I do think is something that is needed. I don't know that I look to Biden as someone who's going to reform the police, but I think in a in a presidency that he is in in a, in his presidency there would be room for those who want to reform the police to make that happen. Mm. I think that that there would be support for that. It would be allowed. It would be something that um, might actually happen if he's president. So that's something that I would be excited about because I think it is something that's needed. Wow. Thanks, Rachel. That's great. Super helpful. Um, one of those things will probably happen. So no matter what, you're going to be excited and worried yeah, exactly. in, in the next few weeks. So that's great. 
Well, thank you, Rachel, again, for your thoughtfulness and taking the time to do this. I always appreciate that. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about things besides the presidential election because we actually get to vote about all kinds of things that impact our lives in really significant ways that we often just don't think or talk about nearly as much. And so I'm really excited about that. And I hope you'll enjoy learning about that with us. Other than that, have a great day. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Jesus and Politics podcast. Remember to join us every Thursday at 4.30 on Zoom for a Q&A. You'll be able to find the link to that on our social media or at our website, ccfministry.com.